Hello, and welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. I'm Pastor Joshua Kirkenbach. Today is the 25th Sunday after Pentecost. Our Gospel lesson is from the Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake or for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. This is the word of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In our Gospel reading this morning, we hear what happened after the rich young man, who asked our Lord what he needed to do to inherit eternal life, turned away saddened. This man desired to know Jesus, but he was still too attached to his many possessions, because he trusted in them, he had faith in them, he had them as the God of his heart. For when the Lord Jesus asked him to sell them and give the proceeds to the poor, he went away sad because he had many possessions. He couldn't imagine himself being without them. They gave him peace and security. They gave him a feeling of being able to rely on himself rather than God. He did not see himself as needy and helpless, and so he could not enter the kingdom of God as a little child. In response, our Lord says, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus didn't stop there. He addresses them again while they're still amazed before they can say anything and adds, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. After speaking of only the rich in his first saying, our Lord broadens the reach. It is difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, but it is not only difficult for the rich. It is difficult for anyone to enter the kingdom of God. To drive the point home, he uses an impossible comparison, an absurd one. It is easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The camel was the largest animal in the Levant. It would be similar to us saying, it would be easier for a bull moose to go through the eye of a needle. If that's easier, how difficult it must be. The amazed disciples are now exceedingly astonished. They were surprised and shocked by Jesus' first statement. But as he continued to drive the point home, they say, then who can be saved? The reason that the disciples were so shocked, so amazed at his words, so astonished, was because of the popular piety and ideas about salvation in their day. The Pharisees and others taught that one earned their place in the kingdom of God through the accumulation of merit by good works. They taught that the good works of the rich were especially meritorious because they were able to do more with their wealth. This idea has appeared over and over again during the history of the church. During the Middle Ages, the clear gospel was obscured by the popular teaching of meriting salvation. This was done through saying various prayers, giving to the poor, giving to the church, going on pilgrimages, and many other works, 
including ones invented only for that purpose. At this time, there were two that had especially meritorious works, monks and nuns that could devote their majority of their time to these special works, and the rich, who could pay for priests to do these works on their behalf. Even today, we see the idea that we must merit at least some part in our salvation. There are some today that teach that one must make a conscious and wholehearted decision for Christ, and in doing so, they turn faith into a meritorious work. This teaching also turns baptism into our witness, and they make baptism depend on us, so that if you do not make the decision heartily enough, you must do it again and be rebaptized. Others teach you must, by your efforts, reach a state of sinlessness, or receive a second spiritual baptism evidenced by what they call speaking in tongues to be saved. These all find ways to make our works meritorious in some way or another. All of them contradict what our Lord is saying. Yes, the disciples were exceedingly astonished because their Lord and teacher was telling them that good works are not meritorious. If the good works of the rich, which were seen as especially meritorious, were not, then no one could be saved. And indeed, that's what our Lord says. When the disciples said, Then who can be saved? Jesus responded, With man it is impossible. Our works, no matter how good they may seem on the outside, are tainted by sin. Sin which clings to and is found within all people, from the youngest to the oldest. Trying to merit salvation by our own works will result either in hypocrisy, because we think we're doing well while ignoring our sin, or result in despair, because, thinking we need to merit it, we know we can't. Our Lord today says that what he does, so that we do not give into either hypocrisy or despair, Yes, salvation is outside of our power. Yes, salvation is outside of the realm of possibility for us. But it is not so with God, for all things are possible with God. With respect to God, salvation is not an impossibility. With respect to God, salvation is fully within his power. He can save the richest of the rich, the poorest of the poor. For God, our God, has done all things for our salvation, as he always has done in saving his people. In the Old Testament, it was he who saved Israel from the hand of Egypt. He delivered them from slavery. It was he who drove out their enemies before them as they entered the Promised Land. David has said throughout the Psalms that it was always the Lord who saved them. He alone is the Savior. He alone is the Helper. There is no one else like him on earth or in heaven. See, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of God, he sent his Son into the flesh that he might live a sinless life and so merit eternal life for us. He alone could merit eternal life because his works are sinless, because he is sinless. He alone could give his life on the cross, bearing our sin and its punishment so that we could be forgiven. This work was all accomplished by God alone, without the help of man. Indeed, with man it's impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. No part of our salvation is up to us. It is God who calls us to this salvation. It is in his earthly life our Lord Jesus, the Son of God, called on people to repent and believe the gospel, gently inviting them to follow him. This call continues today through the word and all of its applications, through the preached word, through the application of the word in the waters of holy baptism, in the sharing of the word by individual Christians who share it through their vocations, the Lord uses all of these as means to call people to himself, to invite them to follow him who alone has the power of salvation. And even when you heed his gentle invitation, this is also done by God's grace. For it is he who grants the gift of faith, 
which believes his promises of salvation by grace through faith in Christ. Any positive reaction to the gospel is from God, for the state of man, because of his sinful nature, is to reject God and his word and his call. As Jesus said, No one is able to come to me except the Father who has sent me draw him. Thus he alone, by his grace, that is, by his kindly favor towards us, saves us. As St. Paul said, It is by grace that we have been saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. Yes, one can refuse this gift. One can refuse this grace. One that relies on themselves and does not see how poor and needy and dead they are spiritually will not allow themselves to be saved, to be rescued, to be born again by another, even God. That is why our Lord says it is especially difficult for the rich, as the rich often rely on their riches rather than the Lord. For faith is trust, and if we trust in something else for our salvation, whether it's our own works, our riches, even our poverty, we're not trusting in God. We're not having faith in Christ, but in these things as idols. These things, whether riches, our own works, or anything else that we put our trust in besides Christ, cannot save. He alone has the power, and he alone saves. But do not think that he does this in a mysterious, hidden way so that we cannot see it. Instead, he does this through his word and sacraments, so that we may have assurance in him and trust him all the more. For he delivers the promise which we trust in through the means which he has instituted. He delivers this promise of salvation by grace through faith in the word. For there the Holy Spirit works to stir up faith and to strengthen it. He delivers this promise through holy baptism, where we are born again from above by God into a new life, and there he calls us his own. And as we remember our baptism, we are strengthened by his promises of new life, and that we may, by the working of the Holy Spirit, daily drown the old Adam within us, which wishes to rebel against God rather than believe in him and follow him. He delivers it through absolution, where the word of forgiveness is applied individually to the repentant sinner, that they may know that Christ forgives them all their sins for his own sake. He delivers his promise through the Lord's Supper, where the Lord gives us his own body and blood to eat and drink with bread and wine. When we eat and drink with faith, we receive the promises of forgiveness, life, and salvation. We are made one with Christ as he unites himself to us, and gives us the promises that when we are raised from the dead, we will no longer have bodies which are weak and damaged by the effects of sin and disease and illness in this world, but we will have bodies like his glorious body. Yes, with man salvation is impossible. Our works cannot save us, but it is not so with God. His works are salvific. The works and life and death of Jesus are meritorious and have merited for us salvation, so that when we believe in him, our faith is credited as righteousness for Jesus' sake, and our sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God, who has done what is impossible in saving us, so that we might live forever with him in his kingdom, which shall have no end. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this sermon today for the 25th Sunday after Pentecost. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.